Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage, then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to discover your presence in this Christmas season. Lord, help us to learn that your presence is enough. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I can't wait for the party. I can't wait for to go on vacation. I can't wait until the pandemic is finally over. As a kid, whenever I said a sentence that started, I can't wait, my dad would gently respond, don't wish your life away. My dad was 39 when I was born. So he had learned a lot from his time in the world. He had learned a lesson that I'm still learning at, as I'm 55 years old now. The older you get, the faster time moves. Life will speed by you if you're not careful. My dad didn't want me to rush through good things on the way to whatever the next thing was. I'm writing this sermon on Monday morning before the SEC championship game. I'll actually preach and record it on Thursday night before the SEC championship game. And I've got to be honest with you, I can't wait for the game. As soon as we finished playing last Saturday, I began uh, to anticipate the coming game. I can't wait to see how we do against Florida. Uh, I can't wait for kickoff to get here Saturday night. I'll be in front of the TV. I'll watch every play. I'll scream at the TV a few times, more than likely. Uh, after the game's over, I'll watch the commentary. I'll read the stories about it the following day. I want to soak it all up. I can't wait for kickoff. But by the time I'm through reading the articles on Sunday, it's all over. This thing that I've been waiting for all week long will be past. 
and I'll be left kind of empty, just wait, regardless of who wins. I'll be left kind of empty, just waiting on whatever the next big thing is. So I've been thinking, uh, have I missed something between the last game and the next game? From Sunday to Saturday, am I so preoccupied with what's coming up that I've missed out on some good stuff on those days too? Do we get so preoccupied with what's coming up that we don't even notice what we have? What time have I missed with my family? What time have I missed taking care of my own personal needs? Uh, in, in what ways has my anticipation of what's coming robbed me of the joy of what's actually present? Did I sacrifice that joy while waiting for something that I thought would be better? Frequently, my life has been fixated on whatever's next. This is kind of a pattern for me. I get so excited about what's coming. And when I was in college, all I wanted to do was graduate just to finish so that I could get on to the next thing, so that I could move on to seminary and take the next step in my career. When I got to seminary, it was the same thing. I just wanted to graduate, hurry up and finish so that I could move on towards ordination. I realize now much after the fact that I was probably more concerned with graduating than I was learning. And I really hate that now. I, I wish I had learned at that age to fall in love with learning more than completing. I'm afraid that there's some really good stuff I missed out on in my race to the finish line. But I continued the same thing in my ordination. In our denomination, it takes nine years to be ordained from freshman year of college all the way through full ordination. And so I raced through step after step. Uh, my only concern with the process was completing it. Because once I was ordained, once the bishop finally ordained me, then I would be ready to enjoy life. But then I found myself looking for whatever was next. Uh, I did it with my children. I remember when they were in diapers and I thought if we could just ever get them out of diapers, boy, life would be so good. It'd be a raise. Man, diapers are expensive. Uh, and then if we could get them into school and then out of school, we are so quick to work them along their own lives. And now I have a 30-year-old. How did that happen? How can I be old enough to have a 30-year-old child? Where did those decades go while I was moving on towards the next thing? Now, to be fair, there have been plenty of times when I've actually stopped to appreciate the joy of the moment. Uh, I have learned along the way to live the present day uh, sometimes. Sometimes I get it right. Uh, I think of times when my wife and I have sat uh, dining together. Uh, we love patio dining, whether it's at one of the patio restaurants here in town or a patio restaurant when we were in Los Angeles. It was fun to just sit and watch the world go by and spend time with each other, not rushing through a meal, enjoying the conversation, even if the meal lasted for two hours. I treasure those times. I think about the times that I've sat with my children in my lap. Uh, during those times, the rest of the world seemed to melt away. Just to have my child in my lap was enough. I didn't need anything else in those moments. I've, also, I've often experienced a calm peace in my soul as I sat in our prayer chapel right here at the church. I sit in there for a half hour at a time and just enjoy the presence of God and realize that that God really is enough when we allow him to be. I had a special moment in this very spot, right in our sanctuary, just a few weeks ago. Uh, I had just finished 
baptizing a young baby, and the family had left the sanctuary. So I was alone in the sanctuary cleaning up afterwards. And as I stood right here and looked up at the cross, I was overwhelmed with joy. I couldn't believe how God had blessed me with the privilege of being able to welcome that young child into the church family, of being able to offer the sacrament of baptism. Who am I? Who am I that God would use me to offer grace in that beautiful way? Uh, My heart was full. I just wanted to stand right here in the sanctuary in the presence of Christ and, and soak it all in. I have had those moments. And I love those moments, but still I find that it's easy to let time pass us by, isn't it? The Greeks actually had two different words for time. The first is chronos. It's the word for time that's measured on a clock or a calendar. It's the root word for our words, chronograph or chronology. It's about time that can be measured, and we Americans especially are obsessed with this kind of time. It's about deadlines and due dates. Uh, it's about being tardy. Uh, Kronos is all about, uh, about completing things when they're supposed to be done and moving on to the next thing. It's measurable time. But then they had another word for time called Kairos. Kairos is not nearly as much about the quantity of time as it is the quality. Kairos is a word that measures the experience of time. What's going on while the seconds click on your watch. Uh, What's happening as the minutes go by? Uh, Kairos has to do with a quality of experience. Those times when the world seems to fade away, like when I was standing here in the presence of God after that baptism. That was for me a Kairos moment. Simeon and Anna seem to have a Kairos moment in the temple. They've been waiting for years for one thing, The only thing in their life that they're really concerned about anymore is to see the arrival of the Messiah. They've been promised the opportunity to lay eyes on the coming Christ that would be the redemption of Israel. And that's the only thing that mattered to them. Uh, Mary and Joseph show up with baby Jesus, and Simeon and Anna recognize this is the one they've been looking for. This is Emmanuel, God with us. This is their hope and the hope of Israel. Uh, Simeon takes the child and gets to hold Christ in his hands and and pray over him. And then he says those amazing words uh, to to God. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. Simeon had seen all there was to see. He saw the only thing that mattered in his life, and he was at peace. He wasn't concerned about the next thing. He wasn't caught up in the calendar or some to-do list. He had had the privilege of being in the presence of Christ, and he needed nothing else. He was ready for God to dismiss him in peace. How about us? Have we found that kind of peace? Especially in 2020, have we discovered the kind of peace that Simeon and Anna found in the temple? The end of the year is upon us. It's easy for us to focus on the things that we've missed. It's even easier to focus on what COVID has not allowed us to do this year. Uh, As we wind down towards the end of 2020, we may be feeling despair, like we missed out on a year, or like we were failures. We didn't accomplish what should have been done. We might feel that this year has passed us by. Maybe, on the other hand, we're preoccupied with the future. We're wondering about what happens in 2021. 
we know now that we can't predict it. Nobody knows what the next year is going to be like. Uh, what will it be like after the vaccine? What will it be like after COVID? When will when will normal return? Will normal return? What will the new normal look like? It's easy to get obsessed and preoccupied with those kinds of concerns and worries. But let's not wish our lives away. Anna and Simeon found peace in the presence of the Christ child. That's all they needed. Peace in the presence of the Christ child. May we find peace in following Christ today, right now, not when the pandemic is over, not when normal returns, but can we find peace in following Christ right now? We can't change the past. We certainly can't control the future, but we can commit to spending today loving one another and loving God deeply. We can invest our lives in that kind of love. And in that love, we will find Christ. We will discover that Christ is enough. Amen.